the singer Ryan, our drummer, they were both in that band. And we were like, yo, we need to link up together. We need to do a show together sometime. You know, uh, I think it was one of the guys from a band who's probably one of the words is not air friendly. Yeah. But let's just say the first word is spewing and let's leave it at that. <laughs> and um, so he set up a show and it was on a rooftop somewhere in the middle of Brooklyn. And the place. No, it was just a rooftop in Brooklyn. In somebody's apartment building, and it was a rooftop in Brooklyn. Like there were like two by fours with nails in them, like all over the place. Ugh. And but we got like a sound system upstairs, and <laughs> I, I never felt more afraid for people in a mosh pit than that day. It's like, dude, people can fall from like the sixth floor of this freaking building, dude. Mm. But you know, it went everything went well until like the cops shut it down, <laughs> like two songs into Yost Gun's set. No. <laughs> so that kind of sucks for them but you know it was actually a pretty cool time you know, th that's kind of like how from that seeing seeing Ryan that day and Ryan seeing us you know we just always stayed in touch from that day forward I see now bit. can you um give me a little <clears throat> bit of history on the rest of the guys that weren't able to make it tonight well initially when uh, when we started as a band uh, the way it all actually started out was uh my band abject was on our way out and uh the two ryans uh were playing together in another band that was uh i think they were gonna get in they were gonna kick out their bass player or something like that and they wanted me to fill in um on the bass and i i offered to do that and then the band ended up that band just ended up breaking up and i was like i was talking to singer ryan Ryan Bland, just talking to him, and I was like, man, I'm really bummed because I, w I wanted to play music with you. Do you think we could just, like, you know, start a band or something? And uh, he was like, oh, I was thinking the exact same thing, and me, him, and uh, drummer Ryan ended up linking up and jamming a little bit and decided we liked what we were doing, and they, we were like, who are we going to get for bass? And I, was, I just went, you know what? I want I want Ray on bass. So we, we just... I, I think we did we snapchat you yeah it yeah, was a snapchat, snapchat video and we just like we just were like practices on thursday be here at, at eight o'clock you don't have a choice <laughs> be here we will find you and he showed up <laughs> and uh, as we were writing and like coming up with what we were doing i wanted to uh get a second guitar player and before i floated it by the rest of the guys i knew who i wanted was uh dan my buddy dan piero he uh he filled in for abject a lot whenever we would go on the road our bass player couldn't make it out for an extended period of time so uh uh we would uh dan would fill in on bass and here and there he'd fill in on guitar that's kind of like what us. dan was kind of known for too you know yeah, he, he was, he was kind of like, like a fill in but it was uh, that's part of why i i asked him is because i'd been all over the place with him i knew he was a solid quick learn on songs and just an all-around amazing guy and uh, part of why he was always doing the fill-in stuff is because his job, he was working nights, so it was really hard for him to dedicate to a band because he wouldn't be able to uh, go out and play a lot of the shows or, like, show up for practice a lot of the time, which is understandable. And that's, I, when I asked him, that's what he said. He was like, I can't really dedicate to anything right now, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, okay, whatever. We continued on as a four-piece, and uh, when um, – we had something happening and I, I hit up um, Dan and was like, Hey man, we have this show kind of coming up. Do you think you might want to like fill in on, on for this show on like second guitar or something? And uh, he actually was, he said he'd be interested in doing it. And uh, also that his schedule had cleared up and he was 
going to be free to do that. So it was like a year and some change later. I actually got the guitar player that I had initially like really hoped to be able to play with in the band. And uh, it couldn't have worked out better, honestly. Yeah, honestly, we love the group of guys that yeah. we got playing together. It just blends so Super well. Super chill. Everybody gets along. We hang, like when we, we've had like a rash of us like moving like from one apartment to the next lately, yeah. and we always could go out and help each other and hang out with each other on the weekends. Ryan Bland comes over and hangs out at my apartment at Christmas time if he's not going home. Ray crashes on my couch once a week um, with his cat. With, with my cat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my. Uh, uh, Drummer Ryan is uh, dating my wife's best friend. They live together. We hook them up. So it's a very, very close knit little group of guys. It's the Us Club. <laughs> yeah, your <laughs> invitation, not you. <laughs> so what's it like being a musician in, like the five boroughs nowadays? Expensive. <laughs> um, I mean, the living cost is definitely you know one thing that kind of makes it difficult to be able to play all the time. You know. Studio rents always go up. Everything's always going up. Um, I mean, the the toughest part about it, though, is just how many venues have been closing down recently. We've seen, like, shutdowns of some of our favorite places in the last like, year. Name some places that um, have shut down, unfortunately. Well, the Acheron was, like, my favorite place. That's gone? gone? Yeah, the Acheron closed <sighs> down last year. Um, they Grand had some Victory amazing shows there. Grand Victory, which is where we had our first show. We had yeah. our first show there. I worked there for about two years doing sound. It was one of my it was my favorite side gig. I was family with everybody there. I also lived right down the street from there for a while too. That really sucked. I got the first time I worked sound there. Uh, I was I got a call from Baby Sean. It's like, hey, do you think that you could come uh, work sound for us tonight? And it's like our our sound guy like called out. It was like. Yeah, sure, I, I can come do that. Who's uh, who's playing? He's a negative approach. Was like, whoop. He said, he said he turned around. I was like, right behind him. Was like, show me to the board, homie. I actually did not know that. It was yeah, actually man, negative it approach. It was negative approach. Was my first time working sound there. That's and insane. I never, I never had like a, a rundown on how anything in that space worked and like trying to figure out like the monitors and everything and the system. You know, it's a it's a venue and it's a really small place that gets like pretty rowdy. So like everything was kind of like held together with bubble gum and duct tape um and i uh yeah, go figure I that figured like it out that was nuts man the, fir- <laughs> the first the first night like how long of a learning experience was that i mean once i once i got to like, i didn't have time like they yeah. called me like 30 minutes before the show was supposed to start and we're like hey can you please come work sound it's like yeah all right man <laughs> um got wow. there did what i had to do to hook up all the mics and get like sound coming through the room and uh the next time I was there, I, I got there early enough that I was able to look at everything and be like, oh, okay, this is pretty basic. Um, but uh, I've been doing sound my whole life, so it's yeah. not – it's basic stuff for me. <laughs> is it easy to, like, archive bands when uh, they actually perform at, like, different clubs and stuff like that? What do you mean archive? Have, like, um, recordings of it to say, hey, yo – you played uh, the show. I actually was able to record it. Uh, well, I did that, that a few times with uh, at the, towards the end of the Grand Victory, and I was kind of kicking myself in the butt uh, when when I was recording the bands there, just off the board. Um, I was learning how to to use Pro Tools and Logic and mixing, and how like the art of recorded sound is very different from the art of live sound. And uh, 
was uh, just recording like full bands, sets, and everything, and I'd send them off to some people. Uh, what are some of the difficulties done. involved with that? Well, Grand Victory was a very small stage, so yeah. there's a lot of bleed on uh, <clears throat> a lot of the different microphones. So you get like a lot of the guitar and the bass, and the, a lot of the bass and the guitar, and then the kick drum would have like the stomping of like the singer jumping up and down, or like. Oh, like being able to keep the kick drum like in one the place. Keep the kick drum mic <laughs> in one place. Yeah, the kick drum. The kick drum they had there was god awful. It would just slide all over the place. I always wanted to like nail a two by four into the stage, and every time I asked to do it, they were like, "No, don't do that." I was like, "But the kick drum moves. Get a new kick drum." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that Noah's Ark and just build one from scratch. Stuff. What's that? Noah's Ark and build one from scratch. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, it can be pretty difficult mixing stuff like that, especially in such a small stage with so much bleed. That's just the way it works. There was some stuff that I recorded that was, like, it came through and it was uh, it was awesome. And then there was some stuff that I'd listened to it and I was like, this is just a mess. I'm not even going to bother trying to fix this. <laughs> <laughs> the one time I tried to record us there, my amp died. Or no, my <laughs> amp didn't die. The uh, the cabinet, the house cabinet that I was using, the input to from the head to the cabinet fell in mid first song and i was like you, you gotta be kidding me right now yeah um so i had to go borrow some uh one of the bands i think it was hot blood let me borrow their mm. their combo and I, uh, I had to record that which was not the way that my stuff is supposed to sound but it was yeah. uh it sounded good enough for what it was and i appreciate them letting me use it but uh yeah it's, it's a live show man it's not a studio setup so it's uh, anything that can go wrong will go wrong yeah <laughs> now Last year, you guys released an album. Um, tell me about the uh, title track on there, Fade Away. Um, well, Was this like an allusion to anything? It well, was a literally, letter. It, literally. Was a, it was not an allusion. It was a letter that one of, one of Ryan's friends had. Uh, I forget. If, I think he, he just passed away. And uh, it was a letter that his friend's mom had written to her son and uh he used parts of the letter if not the whole thing i can't remember if it was the whole thing or it was like parts of the letter uh as the lyrics like basically like a long poem to her son who had died mm. and uh it was ryan's close friend and he just used the words that she wrote to him for that and it's uh yeah, we don't really do the whole like feel good, happy, go lucky. Yeah, a lot of yeah, yeah a lot of horns uh, here. <laughs> a lot of a lot of the well, the whole reason that we we buckled down and actually decided to name the album "Fade Away" after having that song was kind of like it. We figured it it was a kind of unifying theme on the whole album, which yeah. was people fading away. You know, losing yeah. people, people dying, and just in Anxiety a sense, and yeah, yeah uh, you know, time. just you know, almost feeling it yourself. Like you never know when you know it's gonna be your time or anything like that so, so it, yeah. it's kind of like some dark themes but at the same time it's kind of like looking at it from a real world perspective and just that's real talk man uh, an album about losing friends and family and almost losing yourself anxiety almost losing yourself <clears throat> wrestling with the bear that is suicide that's it doesn't get much more real than that and I, yeah if somebody tells you they haven't had to struggle with any of that kind of stuff then they're I mean, a liar so or they just haven't lived <laughs> On that note, let's play it, <laughs> along with a few other songs. We have uh, also Choke, as well as You Can't Stop Me. Can you tell me about those songs and why they're, why you wanted them in the set as well, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
the thing is that the whole unifying theme between all of us, the thing that brought every single one of us together as a band was, you know, we were playing in a New York hardcore scene. You know, we were always together, like, uh, doing shows with a bunch of bands who had these influences, and these were a lot of our influences, too. So that's kind of why we wanted these songs to be alongside us to show kind of, like, what was the thing that invigorated our energy from the beginning? Awesome. Well, without further ado, here we go. Hey, what's up? It's Japanic. Now, um, do you guys um want to talk about any of those songs more? Um, you no, know, you're talking about like the songs from our album, or yeah, no, I mean the songs we just played. Um, those were a couple of picks that uh Ryan wanted us to like mix into what we do. Um, you know, Ryan's been a big fan of Burn for you know how however long. Mm. It's Dan's favorite band. Yeah, it's also correctly. Dan's like favorite band. He has like every color of every pressing. Yeah. <laughs> for everything they've ever done. So yeah, it's, it's definitely his. It's favorite. like the same shirt in two different colors. <laughs> <laughs> for each one, I mean, I guess you know it, it's kind of a bigger influence for say like Ryan, Ryan and Dan. Um, they they're pretty much the ones that got me listening to Burn recently. I actually didn't know too much about them until not too long ago. So that's. Definitely their thing. Another 
time like where I was saying where we bring in all kinds of different influences into one room, mm. you know, we introduce each other into so many different things, which is kind of like how something like this gets in a playlist yeah. like mine, you know? Now, like, we live in interesting times. Like, what kind of things do you guys look at as inspiration now as musicians? Just really messed up stories, you know? Like, uh, I wouldn't say that we fixate on these kind of things, but it's more like, you know, it's it's kind of like the un, not so much untold stories, but like kind of like the things that maybe somebody didn't think about immediately when mm-hmm. something happens. Like, I, I've been lo- reading into like really strange cases. You know, people always try to say like, oh man, the world's really messed up now. Yeah. Things are getting so much worse. And I think it's something like where people like to romant- romanticize the past. They like to roast tint the world, think that things used to be so much better before. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that story a couple of days ago where... Uh, little girl got hit 13 year old by a train down in um down in queens Mm. she went down into the tracks to go get her phone and you know some people recorded it with their cell phones as it happened i mean they try to help her when she got hit but you know no but i mean it's like that that's evil man like if you are recording somebody getting killed like that's you you see the video of the uh some lady recorded a lady somebody in some hotel i forget where it was fell seven stories she literally walked up holding her phone, recording this woman hanging on by one hand, begging for help. Yeah. Drops seven stories and dies. It's I'm I don't I don't understand. The world is obsessed it, with that. I kind mean, of. it's just like but when the, you s- finish what you're gonna say. No problem. Um, but the thing is that like it that doesn't surprise me. It, it doesn't like um, I had to write a paper a while ago because I'm still in college now about um a case about from I think it was sometime in the '60s. It was uh, this woman in Kitty Genovese. I don't know if you heard the story, but it was like um, she was killed in the middle of the day on like it was about like three different occasions in which she got attacked by her attacker mm-hmm. and she was screaming. And there were people who came to the windows and saw this happening and there were no no calls for the police. There were no calls for like, a, you know, just anybody to do anything. Did they, they actually do anything like maybe no. e- even if you're not calling the police, they could have. Done no. maybe something. Nobody like shouted from a window so much as like you know. It was just, just nothing. Yeah. So that's the whole thing, you know. You you look at these cases from the past, or you look at cases of like people who. You know, doing things that put them at risk, and people just take entertainment out of it, you know. Yeah. And it's just kind of like you know, are are we really getting worse? Uh, you know, I think we've already been here. I think as a matter of fact, there's certain things that make you think that we're getting we're getting better. But then, you know, there's, you know, people who detract from those kind of things where like safety and like extreme sports or something. And they're like, oh, you know, things are getting soft. So are we getting worse? Are we getting soft? You know, what are we talking about? But outside of that, just general issue of the way people politicize these issues, we like to think about the victims of like, you know, these victims of circumstance, so to say, you know, you know, mental illness or like. A- anything that could have led to, you know, like a person's demise. You know? Yeah. And just kind of like trying to put words to what that person might have felt or like the ambience of what was going on at the time and, you know, relating it to ourselves, trying to make it relatable to someone who might be feeling something similar, who might be in a similar place to you know, the past people who this yeah. happened to. You have anything more to say? And most of what I draw my ex- my uh, inspiration from is usually just depression, anxiety, and like just struggling with, you know, uh, 
day-to-day life and just watching things around me get worse and worse and worse around the world it's just honestly more depression and anxiety is really what i i would find to be a try if i can find a way to voice that in a way that somebody can listen to it and relate to it and say you know kind of take something I, from it yeah you know maybe i'm not alone in the <clears throat> way that i feel or this person understands the way that i feel i would think that uh i, I would call that a measure of success or i've done what i was trying to to do reached my goal now with your song 98.6 i take it this is one of the more darker songs on this album Oof. um that's uh t- tell me about what this was ryan's, meaning behind that ryan's best friend alex singer ryan his uh his best friend Alex passed away several years ago and uh, those lyrics were written on a piece of paper in his house while uh, and that Ryan found while he was helping clean out his apartment and uh, those are Alex's last uh, I guess living words I wouldn't say living words I think it was like the last set of lyrics that he wrote before he passed um, and Ryan just kept the paper and used them as the words for that song. Okay. Um, why don't we uh, just hear it now? <laughs> and um, also we have uh, here's a Life of Agony song and also a Chromax track. Awesome. So we're going to uh, have maybe about 10 or 15 minutes of songs here. So, here we go.
Know someone being bullied online? You can be a witness and make a difference by letting the world know it isn't cool and by letting your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. People been saying to your friend, get a different face. And posting on their feed, they're super ugly. The things they say to them online are cruel and they're not true. So tell your friend, I'll stand up for you. Don't worry, I know what to do. Tell the world I see. Know someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey, what's up? It's Japan Nick and we're back. And uh, dudes, is there anything you really want to um, read when it comes to the news? Come here, Ray. Ooh, wow, it looks like you want to read about Amtrak. Come here. All right. Yeah. Well. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't move it like that, though. Well, it says here that New Jersey's transit boss went off on the offensive Wednesday, calling Amtrak to fix the broken tracks in Penn Station, New York, which have caused commuting chaos since a train derailed on Monday. Meanwhile, commuters trying to catch trains in Penn Station, Newark, and Hoboken endured another evening of overcrowding on the rail lines that were displaced from Penn Station, New York, since Monday. Stephen Santoro, New Jersey Transit Executive Director, said that three New Jersey Transit rail cars that were involved in Monday's derailment had all passed 180-day inspections, but he stopped short of ruling them out as contributing to the derailment. So far, no cause for the derailment has been given. Amtrak needs to step up to the plate. They need to take, whoa, the state of good repair of the Northeast Corridor seriously, he said Wednesday afternoon press conference. It is Amtrak's responsibility. Definitely. Santoro toured the derailment site later this afternoon and is supposed to take questions in Penn Station from frustrated customers, commuters. Trains have been operating on a modified holiday schedule since Monday afternoon, resulting in delays and overcrowding for commuters. Thanks a lot. And have you heard about how the weather's going to be? Not at all. Uh, I'm on a day-to-day schedule with that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> it looks like um, parade of severe weather marches on. More tornadoes possible Thursday. Oh, awesome. Yay! Tornadoes. Hopefully they take something with them. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> yeah, those are mine, man. Yeah, and, um... Mine now. now, Ray, would you like to, What's uh... Going on, brother? Take a look at, uh... Adding, uh, some of your music here? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I'll bring this on over this way. Come here. So we set this up, you're gonna play a couple tracks, or...? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sweet. And um, also, can you tell me, did you really give a good in-depth answer when it came to uh, how you recorded this album, the studio, and the people who produced it? 
Um, well, I think that's a question for Matt. Like, he really yeah, had yeah. a lot Matt. to do with that. Uh, all right, so we recorded the drums and the guitars in our studio. It was Glenn Loreo from No Redeeming Social Value and uh, Billy Club Sandwich recorded the uh, the drums and the vocals and the guitars and we tracked the bass and the vocals in his kitchen in Harlem. We did the drums and the guitars in our studio in Brooklyn and then uh, he did some of the editing and we basically we just ran out of money at that point and I ended up <laughs> having to take over. This stuff is expensive, man. It costs money to do stuff the right way and we're also sticklers about doing it the right way. Um, and uh, I ended up having to take over the mix process there. My uh, very good friend Dave, who I work with. Shout out to British Dave. Shout out to English Dave, Liverpool Dave. You're from Liverpool. And if I never have to watch you eat sardines again, I'll be happy. <laughs> um, By the way, that guy's like has the best stories. Like when we went to to do some of the mixing and some re-recording with him, like he even had a story of him like actually having a couple of beers with Lemmy. Like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, the like, dude's crazy. He's, he's like, awesome. British rock stars just drink far too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I ended up having to take over the mix, and uh, English Dave was helping me uh, with a lot of that, and we did a lot of long hours spent uh, in his studio in uh, Manhattan just working on all the stuff, and then uh, took over and finished up the, uh, the mix work at my house, me and... Uh, Drummer Ryan finished some of the stuff up and uh, sent it off to mastering. Uh, one of uh, singer Ryan's uh, friends from back in the day that recorded the first uh, Home 33 album uh, was uh, Roger Leanne, who was also the mastering engineer for Slayer's South of Heaven yeah, album, the, agreed to do the mastering yeah, the for... the remastering for that record. Yeah. He also did a... He's done a lot of stuff. He has He's, a pretty wide... A pretty eclectic catalog of stuff um he did the he agreed to do the master for us and uh when we got it back it was i was listening to it i was like whoa <laughs> this sounds great yeah um it's really what made it brought it all out as a a, a professional sounding album i think but yep and um i guess just when it came to just writing this album like i mean I obviously, like, each song has a particular story to it. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite story when it came to, uh, like, the selection of songs in the album? Hmm. Uh. Huh. I don't know. The, uh, you know, Panic Kills is about panic attacks. Ryan was saying, I think he was, if I remember correctly, he was telling me it's, he, w he had to give a presentation at work, and it wasn't because he was nervous. It just happened. He had a panic attack, like, right before he had to give his presentation and, like, just ran to the bathroom and said he felt like rust was crawling up his face. And that's what the – I think the lyrics are, it crawls all over my skin is, is the panic as it's, like, like, the anxiety just building up. Um, and some of the more relatable stuff. Yeah, like, I think some, uh, a little more relatable there. And then I think actually a good amount of the lyrics in Hounds of Hate are, are my words. Um, and Ryan took uh, lines here and there and placed them in. He was having some screwed up dreams. And uh, 
he just uh, he used some of my stuff. Uh, Movement of Fear is definitely the most, uh, I wouldn't say the most meaningful, but one of the more, uh, it's our only political song. You it's had a question about really one, didn't you? Quiet. It's not even really political. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. definitely. Um, no. <laughs> was this any, about anything going on in like contemporary America? Actually, it it, it yeah. actually was. I don't know if you really heard anything about this, but um, that case that happened in Texas where a police officer took uh, this woman named Sandra Bland uh, out of the police car, and you know mm-hmm. she got beat like on video, and then supposedly committed suicide later on in jail. Well, yeah, she died supposedly. in police custody in Texas. That's Ryan's cousin. Yeah, distant yeah. cousin, cousin of, of, his, of his, and that's that the song "Movement of Fear" is about. Yeah. that so when we when we found out from his family that they were actually somewhat related um i spent like an afternoon down at his place and yeah. we, you know we just got together drink a couple beers listen to a few records but you know we like to sit down with a couple of the demo tracks that we get from the studio mm-hmm. and we were like yo we gotta write a song about this and we just worked together for a while and just banged out those lyrics wow damn so yeah, um, help me um, pull up that sure. song on your computer. Oh, you want to? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Put it in here. Let's see. Let me see if I can find this real quick. In the meantime. And I guess also, too, um, what did your song Disillusioned mean to you guys? <laughs> that, uh, that actually came. We were at practice and... Uh, Dan was like someone was talking and Dan was just playing like something on his guitar quietly by himself like yeah. while we were talking just like listening and just like strumming away at something and Ray just looks at me and goes I like I like that and pointed yeah. at what he was playing and we all just kind of sat down and like played along with it for a minute and I don't think I don't even think Dan like was paying attention to to uh what he had what he, what he was playing he was just like okay and we jammed out on that for a few minutes and uh uh, me and him went over, and we actually recorded that song in English Dave's apartment, um, in his studio. And uh, we, me and Dan, went and did it the first time, and we realized we'd screwed something up, and uh, had to. I ended up having to go back and redo it, and spent about five hours playing that by myself, um, back and forth and back and forth, doing everything. By the time I was done, I couldn't feel my fingertips for about two weeks because just going back and forth on an acoustic guitar for six hours was ridiculous definitely um well let's let's hear it now hold on one second and talk for 15 seconds oh we also had like a little little audio track at the end of that of like being through a subway station yeah which kind of like was kind of meaningful to us it was like the drudge of the end of our days you know yeah yeah for sure you can hear like the little beep boop (laughs) that's actually the uh chamber street station at uh the ace downtown because that is the loudest train sound in the world and it's right next to my job so i just had a little zoom recorder that i walked out on the uh platform with and recorded it when i uh, when i went back and listened it had actually gotten the uh picked up the announcer on the train wow. and the little ding dong at the end of it and i was like wow that act that worked perfectly yeah, <laughs> yeah. well here we go
and um, pretty much we're going to be likely finishing things up. Now, um, what was uh, the show like that you performed with Fishbone? What did that mean to you? I know, like, Ryan was going on about, like, just how much it meant to him. Tell me, what did it mean to Ryan? I mean, well, that was, as he tells everybody, um, his first time, like, ever really going all out. Like at a show, it must have been like what he said, like eighty eight, nineteen eighty eight. First show, he said he was. The story I remember him telling me was that his buddy made him come out and check out this band Fishbone. It was a tiny little club, and Angelo Moore had a mohawk at the time. Yeah, and he said he doesn't know why, but Angelo Moore was like right in front of him singing, and he just like ran his hand over Angelo's mohawk. And <laughs> Angelo just kind of looked at him and then spin kicked him in the face. <laughs> and <laughs> and he said he fell backwards and his buddy grabbed him and was like, no, you got to stand up, man. You got to get up, get up, get up. And he just said he was like, oh, my God, this is the moment that I've become punk. And he just like went off in the mosh pit. And he said it was his first time stage diving was at a Fishbone show. And he's been wow. going to see him ever since then. Um, to the point where, like, he's even been acquainted with, like, Angelo and the guys. Like, they yeah. know him. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Ryan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's listening to us right now, and uh, he's texting me back yeah. and forth going, oh, you're doing a great job. What's up, Ryan? Yeah. What's up, Ryan? What's going on, guys? Uh, um, for us, it meant a lot, too. I mean, for me, that, it, it was something pretty cool to play your fishbone. Um, one of my favorite guitarists of all time, Rocky George, Suicidal Tendencies. I took a selfie with Rocky guitar. George, and it yeah. was great. <laughs> yeah, I did the same. I, I think I, I nerded out on Rocky for a brief minute. I was like, hey, man, you know. Oh, I have a really funny story point, about this. That, that, that was So he, uh, he I, I grabbed, I, I got him to, like, stop and talk to me for a couple minutes, and I uh, got him to take a picture with me. And uh, he asked me about something, and I was like, oh, yeah, and I had, like, I had something in my back pocket and I reached into my pocket to pull it out and it ended up being this, this, this toy dinosaur that I have that like whenever we play the bigger shows, it's like my good luck charm. And I just put it on top of my amp or whatever and I'm talking to Rocky George and I, I like said something, I reached in my pocket and I pulled out a toy dinosaur <laughs> and just kind of looked at him and he just looked at it and looked at me and then walked away. And I was like, I was like oh God. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how weird you could possibly get about this, but he just kind of like had this weird look on his face and it, like he was like yeah you guys were great and i was like oh thanks man a uh, toy dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> well what are you gonna do with that start uh, a revolution I, I i don't know but i i have it at home now and i don't know if i'll be bringing it back out again <laughs> you know what you should do man only bring it out when you're going out drinking oh yeah there you go. good things will happen See, the, problem, <laughs> the problem was they didn't bring that second dinosaur which we used to put on my amp so that's why that happened to you man you did it to yourself yeah well <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Wow. So, um, guys, though, important question. How do you keep shows exciting but also safe? Alcohol uh, and knee pads. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, though, um, as far as safety, um, we tend to teeter that line. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I remember we, we did a show at, uh, what was that pl place in Brooklyn? Where we played uh, with Killswitch? Rough Remember? Trade. Rough Trade. 
And uh, we, we got the opportunity to uh, open up for Killswitch Engage, which was a bit of a strange show for us. Like, we weren't really sure what kind of crowd we were going to get. But um, at, I think it was during the last song, our guitarist accidentally hit somebody, like, right in the face. Oh, and, it was like, the last ouch. note of the last song. Yeah, he, like, like, did, like, a rock star, like, boom, and, like, hit the guitar real hard and, like, drop, dropped it down. Uh, like flung down the headstock and they're like right at the edge of the stage some kid just he has an explorer too so it's it's got like the pointed headstocks mm. the headstock went wham right into this kid's nose and i uh, I, I think i actually heard it go and i looked over and, <laughs> and all you dan's see like, like hugging this kid's head with this look of just like oh my like, god oh my what, god, did, what I just did i just do, do? <laughs> yeah. i mean between that and like how wild Ryan is on stage and then just like, you know, us just whipping around. Like, I don't, I don't know if we really keep it too safe for ourselves. I mean, <laughs> I feel like we're always no. at hazard of one another on stage more than anything else. So, uh, there so, was uh, what was it? The one show we played, uh, it was a long time ago. With it, the it, one Don at Don Pedro's. Pedro's. <laughs> oh yeah. We're and uh, Ryan, like that was actually the night that we introduced drummer really Ryan to uh, my wife's best friend, Gina, who is now, uh, Ryan's girlfriend. Uh, that's the night they met, and uh, so Ryan, but singer Ryan is, is all drunk and he's dancing around while he's singing, which we don't and he, particularly do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he trips, he tripped over something on the stage like mid-song and went it was right a through the whole drum set. The entire drum set just knocks. Well, it was over. like the right side, where it's like uh, the crash symbol, the right symbol, and then. Some, and the floor and tom, the floor tom and kind, the rack tom. I don't know. I don't know how how he did it, but like Ryan, drummer Ryan, kind of kept up the floor tom with his leg, and then no, I came. He, didn't. And, yeah, he like he did. tried no. to play on the air for a second, and then just threw his sticks in the air. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I want to um, that thing, yeah. Yeah, this. Uh, yeah. Well, at least we've learned how to like work around the safety hazards of stage. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more, I'm more concerned about keeping my gear safe most of the time. I when when we played Lucky Thirteen. Um, last year, I this something happened and my the my amp blew entirely. Like in our yeah. first song, the entire thing like was just covered in water. All of a sudden, blew that out, and I like because there was another show that I had like the pickups in my guitar just completely like fell out of the guitar, and I was wow, yeah. what is happening? Um, <laughs> it was just like a, or the time they a couple of knobs came off of your head too. Oh it's God, like, uh, you it's. Know. There's constantly something happening. You never know how it goes down, but, yeah. you know. It's punk rock, man. That's how it's supposed to go. Uh, just keep it lively, and hopefully people have a good time with whatever we're doing. And that's pretty much the most important part to us when we do a live show is that people take something from it and, you know, hopefully have a good time with what, what we're trying to present to them. Definitely. Um. Also, very important, tell me what it's like for fans to catch your show for the first time. I mean that that's a little bit tough to say, um, not being from their perspective. And I mean, but we have had, you know, it's funny. Our record release show, we actually had a couple of people who it was like their first show, it was like their first time coming yeah. out to see like this kind of live music, and uh, they were they were enticed by it. They were just like, wow, this this was really something that I want to see again. So, I guess in in <laughs> their circumstance, it was something that made them wanna. Perhaps be a repeat buyer. <laughs> a couple of years ago, we were playing at Grand Victory, and uh, this was Glenn from No Redeeming, who also uh, did the the recording of the album. Uh, 
he I think he had just started dating this, uh, this his girlfriend now uh, Victoria, and uh, Victoria came out and was watching us play. And a couple of things happened while we were playing. Ryan stage dived on top of a whole bunch of people and like everybody fell over and then got up and he bowling was pins. tossing. He was like bowling pins and and then uh, somebody like reached through my arm while I was playing. And from behind me and like grabbed a couple of the strings on the guitar and I just did like a donkey kick backwards because I, I didn't know who it was and you're grabbing my guitar mid song and I just like did a donkey kick and I miss it was it was the old drummer from Murphy's Law uh, Doug who's my buddy and he I, I think he slipped while he was just trying to like, like pretend yeah. to tickle me or something yeah. and like I, I, I didn't realize Solo it was him fingers. and I just kicked backwards and I looked over my shoulder immediately afterwards and my friend Joanna, I had just kicked her beer like out of her hand and it just doused <laughs> all of Doug like all over his face and then like the can hit somebody else in the head who was like looking at me and I was talking to Glenn about this, the, the show afterwards and he, he was like, Victoria says you guys are the most violent band she's ever seen. <laughs> I was like, yep. <laughs> you got them both, man. You got them both. Yeah. Know, man. It was like some Three Stooges kind of thing. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> Damn. And uh, tell me, when's the next time uh, people can catch your show? Mm. Uh, April 21st at Gold Sounds in Brooklyn. We are playing with Gouge Away from Florida, which is a really awesome, super aggressive sounding um, female fronted hardcore band. Um, there's uh, it's Capacities from New Jersey is also playing. And there's another band that we cannot say the name Bert. of. It is Sick S. And you can I'm assume sure you what can the S figure is. out what that means. Which also, uh, I saw them down at uh, the spot in Brooklyn when uh, ACXDC from California and that Grindmother band. Oh yeah, man, that was awesome. <laughs> and and uh, Sick S played that day, and they were they were Sick S. They were, you <laughs> awesome. know, pretty that's, that's, pretty much the name. So we're looking forward like to that. playing with that whole <laughs> that whole lineup. It's it's gonna be a great time. So if Anybody wants to come out, have a good time. There's a bunch of good bands can, that are going to be playing that night. Yep, and we have something coming up soon on the uh, the horizon that we'll be able to announce soon. That's kind of, we're we're freaking out about. <laughs> um, can't say. Can't say yet though. Awesome. It's a secret, Nick. Oh, you can tell me, man. Just no, reveal really it can't. over the airwaves. I'll keep it <laughs> yeah, secret. We really Just kidding. can't. <laughs> Playing Metallica. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> We're going on a three-month tour with Slayer. <laughs> Imagine. I would, I would probably just die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. get back home, it's like, dude, I'm just going to kill myself. Like, there's I'll nothing. never get better than this now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, maybe touring with Creator. That'd be some stuff, too. That'd but I mean, like. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. Do you have any uh, final words? I guess, um, you know, our album's out right now. You, you can get it on iTunes. You can get it through Dead City Records, Rising Pulse Records. Um, you can find us on Spotify. If you want to hear any of the material that we have, um, our old demo's still also up on Bandcamp. And uh, we're working on new material right now as we speak. we got a bunch of songs that we're looking forward to recording sometime this summer. And... We just hope that we can have that out soon enough so that people could catch more of our material. And we hope to be playing to a bunch of, hopefully, people listening tonight sometime soon. Start more bands. Play yes. more shows. Come out to more shows. Don't be lame. <laughs> <laughs> and what would you like to hear as you're walking out from your band? Play Hounds of Hate. That's yeah. my favorite one on the album. Killer. Thank you. <laughs>
Thanks for having us, Nick. Thank you. Much appreciated. Here we go. Oh, my God.